0: Welcome back to sports with a Cuppa. NFL playoffs are here. Finally, we have the matchups and some good ones. I'm going to save the Cowboys game for last, but you can make a case when you look at all the matchups that every game could go any way, except for maybe Bill Steelers. Now that uh, TJ Watt is ruled out, that's a big loss for their defense Pittsburgh's offense has improved since they changed offensive coordinators a few weeks back. But uh, Buffalo, still a little bit better with Josh Allen and Diggs and whatnot. Plus, Sunday afternoon in Buffalo in January, those conditions are probably going to suck. And that usually tends to favor the home team. But, I mean, Rams-Lions. Rams are playing better. As of late, the Lions, how are they still kind of distracted by what happened in Dallas? It seems like it's still kind of lingering, but maybe not. Eagles, Buccaneers, Eagles are playing like crap. Buccaneers have had a good season with Baker Mayfield. They couldn't do anything against Carolina, but I mean... Given the way the Eagles are playing, they may not have to do that much against Philadelphia. So, that's an easy upset alert right there. Houston, Cleveland. You got a rookie coach, head coach, with a rookie quarterback hosting a playoff game. You don't know what the hell you're going to get. And, don't forget, although Cleveland's been playing well and winning games, they're still relying on Joe Flacco. Just saying. But Dolphins Chiefs Saturday night is going to be the one to watch, right? At least it should be. And it's really, it's a. there's multiple things happening there. You got Miami, who has the best offense in the league, yet they don't show up in the big games, and they can't beat good teams. And then you got the Chiefs that are kind of like, are we still Super Bowl contenders or not? Are we really lacking... In several areas too much to where we just can't make that push. So that one, Saturday Night, which apparently is only on Peacock. That's going to be a fun game to watch. And hopefully it lives up to the billing. I mean, if it's not 40-something to 40-something... It's probably going to be a really rough game <laughs> but then we got Cowboys Packers Sunday afternoon again it's just a huge break for the Cowboys to get home field and it was breaks it wasn't really them that accomplished this the football got smiled on them and said the team that went to the Super Bowl last year we're going to make them struggle at the end the Lions, yeah, we're going to rob them of a win on your home field. And you're going to breeze to the number two seed. They caught major breaks to get here. And the, the reason I'm pointing that out so much is because they can't rest on their laurels in this game. Although it's just the Packers and they only had, you know, a 9-8 and eight record you can't just look you can't look past them and you can't just assume that what you did all year is going to get you past them because what you did all year really it was good but it wasn't great and it really to me some of the moments I mean San Francisco was just a debacle of epic proportions but the other losses to me really came down to coaching. And it's because they got out game plan. They got out worked. You know, we, a lot of people, they give P- Mike McCarthy all this credit for Dak and his touchdowns and lack of interceptions. And that's true. The change in systems has worked. But there's still times where it's like, hmm, play calling could have been better. Defensively. Pretty good all year, except for a few games. They're not stopping the run very well right now. They're not getting to... the. I mean, they got to the quarterback a little bit against Washington, but that's Washington. Um, They stink. Haven't watched a lot of Packers games, so I don't know if Micah and Demarcus Lawrence and Odigizua are going to be able to feast on love, but I just don't want to see... Them coming in saying. We're just going to continue to do what we do. No. Be better. If you want to take advantage. Of all these breaks. And home field advantage. For at least two rounds. Be better than what you've been. Like You have to be. I mean you have to be better than. what hell of a lot better than what you were against Washington. It was good. Not great. And really come up with a good game plan. Show me that you're not going to go into the playoffs and get outcoached. Because everyone loves to hype up Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn. Okay, but now is the time to really prove that. Like, you know, just... I don't see them having a disappointing game against Green Bay. They should win that game. But it, it needs to be convincing. Get some confidence because it's going to get harder. <laughs> it's going to get a lot harder. And if you do eventually have to go on the road to San Francisco again, you need to be firing all cylinders. But it should shape. It should be a really fun weekend of football, at the very least. All right, let's move on to the NBA because, well, in all honesty, well, actually... Let's go back to the national championship game because I did watch it for the first time in a few years. And I I left impressed with Michigan's defense, disappointed in Washington and Pennix Jr. Um, you know, I kind of, I drank the Kool-Aid after the UT game and just was, was completely underwhelmed. Completely underwhelmed. But again, credit to Michigan's defense, getting pressure on him all night. They talked about how uncomfortable they were making him, and it was it's really true. He was starting to make throws and decisions that he normally didn't make. Wouldn't even throw it to his best friend. So, pretty disappointing. I think that game really hurt his draft stock. It's That's the unfortunate part when these guys do opt to play. If you don't play well, it's going to hurt you a little bit. But, I mean, kudos to Harbaugh in Michigan winning the national championship. Nice to see someone different win. And now we bring on the more professional-style playoff system. So now we won't have a school like Florida State crying for weeks on end. And we can get after it. Now we can move on to the NBA. First thing I want to touch on is... It's... I mean, it's being talked about a lot lately. And it's uh, the Warriors. And are they done? Is it finally done? And, you know, I mean, a couple years ago, they won the championship. And now, even when healthy, they just don't look competitive. It's it's no f- real fault of theirs. I mean, you can go back and say, hey, keeping that number two pick and drafting James Wiseman was r- kind of the start of the downfall. That pick really should have been used to bring brought in somebody. It, may, maybe it wouldn't have netted you a Bradley Beal, but it could have probably got somebody that could have actually contributed. And it's not James Wiseman's fault. It's, it's Golden State's fault. They... Don't develop players like that. Their own announcers have said that. So you can look at that as where it kind of started. Um, I don't blame Draymond. It's the way, when things he's done, it's just all kind of snowballed. Because it can't be understated how important Draymond is to that offense. Or not just offense, but to that whole system they run. He brings the defensive intensity, and he help And he really initiates the offense. He allows both Steph and Clay to run around off ball. So there's no fault in really to Draymond in this. It's just they drafted okay, but not that well, and they just got old. And the rest of the league caught up. And it's the way it goes. You get to the mountaintop, and then everybody sees what it takes, what they need, and then they start ascending. Denver's the new class of the league. Teams are starting to catch up. Teams have already caught up. Minnesota's been looking good. Thunder are looking good. Boston looks great. Milwaukee looks pretty good. Philly. So it's just the way it goes. I mean, there's just more parity in the league. What they need to do going forward, that's a whole other Pandora's box of do you re-sign Clay or not? I would lean towards not. Just because we have an idea of the numbers he's looking for and couple that with his production. I don't think it's necessarily worth it. The problem is... You would like to see them keep their main guys, their big three at least, and kind of just do what the Spurs used to do and just plug in the new pieces, go find those veteran role players and, you know, develop a young player or two. You know, they got Kaminga. Looks like they're looking to move Andrew Wiggins. Good luck. The number, the cap number is not horrible, but it's his production is just not great. I don't know who's going to really want to take a flyer on him and give up, what, draft capital? I don't know. I don't think Wiggins' value is as high as they value him. But they can't plug in new people like that if they, one, don't have the assets to move in, in trades, and two, if they don't have the money. These guys aren't taking Discounts. The one thing people, a lot of people, forget about the Spurs big three is they took discounts, so the team could build and get those role players and pay some role players that have proven themselves. And the fact that Clay doesn't want to take that discount, I understand it that he values himself highly, which he should. But if you really value keeping things going, You need to take less money. Steph should rework his deal. Create some cap room. Draymond, same thing. They should all figure out how to create a better situation there. If they really value what they have going there. If not, then wholesale changes are probably going to need to be made. And you have to start wondering, can you still build around Steph? I think the answer is yes, but it's going to be hard to find that other piece to put with him. First, how are you going to replace Clay? And if you don't want him move on from Draymond, okay, cool. But if you do, okay, well, where are you going to move him? What are you going to get? How are you going to keep this Warriors team at a championship level? Because you have to. Because Steph doesn't have years and years and years to wait. You know, he's 35. Basketball years, that's fairly old. He's taking great care of himself. But at some point, he can't even just wait. He he can't wait for guys to develop. Because, again, they don't really develop players like that. And the rest of the league is catching up. Has caught up and has surpassed them. So now they're playing catch-up, actually. So I, I think... Unless they find a way to get these guys to restructure and take less money to allow them to find the pieces they need, I think it's pretty much done there. Now, as far as my Spurs go, you know, a great game in Cleveland. You know, after after that Milwaukee game, that Cleveland game was pretty much exactly what i was looking for carryover consistency devin had a great game victor had a really good game would have been better if he hadn't picked up foul trouble (laughs) yeah it it's funny i i yelled it out don't reach and then he reached and picked up that cheap foul Uh, i think it was his second foul or pretty early in the game uh, so that was a little disappointing. But he's just playing. He just gained more and more efficient game. More and more consistent. From a lot of guys. Trey's playing really well. Settling back into his natural starting role. His his pesky defense. I, I've been waiting for it all year. And he's starting to get aggressive with it. Which is a big big key to what we do and he came out and he actually knocked down the exact corner three that he missed the previous game and that's nice to see now I don't expect him to be a high percentage three point shooter. he just has to be reliable but as good a game it was they and they fought back pick and roll defense is still far from being good and this time, Victor might have been a little too unselfish. You know, it's one thing to be kind of trapped at the elbow, three, and pass the ball to an open teammate. But when you're that deep in the paint, and you have such a clear height and length advantage, probably, I love that his instinct is to get hit the open man, and he can make all the passes. I love that. But in winning time, winning time is just a different time. I, I remember Charles Barkley talking about that moment in the finals against the Bulls. It, it was the last shot, and he passed it out. I think he passed it out to like Dan Marley for the last shot, and he missed. And he's like, I know I made the right play, but if, but going back in nine times out of ten, I cannot make that pass because it's my team. I'm the best player. I've got to take the last shot. And that's kind of where Victor's mentality needs to be. Don't go out of your way to ignore an open teammate. But in certain spots, certain situations, be a little selfish. Especially if you make the shot. No one will ever question you if you make the shot. But that close to the basket, I'd rather... I would have rather seen him go to work a little bit there was time but it is what it is he's continuing to trust his teammates and it's kind of a good thing because it's going to put pressure on those guys to step their game up and make the plays for him Jeremy's going to learn from it look at Trey he learned from it and the next shot he got from that corner he made it granted the game wasn't on the line but you got to step your game up and it's going to, that's a good pressure to put on your teammates. Like, Hey, I'll find you, but you have got to make the play. So that's a good thing going for. All right. So now the big rumor, well, not big rumor, but more trade rumors. It's kind of been floating there, but it's getting more and more attention. Uh, Spurs interested in DeJounte Murray reunion. From a pure basketball sense, I like it. Uh, I've said this before, the way DeJounte ran pick and roll with Jakub his last year here is a big reason why he had an all-star year. He averaged 22, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 steals his last year here. Since he's been in Atlanta, he hasn't touched those numbers. Scoring-wise, he's about there still. And his three-point percentage is actually really good this year. I think it's about 38% on six attempts a game. But his rebounding numbers are down. His assist numbers are down, which granted, Trey Young's the one that's out there averaging like 10, 11 assists a game. But he did that with Jakob. There was no lob option with Jakob. It was the most frustrating thing in the world to have no real lob option there with a seven-footer. Now you're going to add Victor instead of Jakob. The lob is the number one option. Uh, DJ would probably feast on feeding him those. And that improved three-point percentage is nice. His... I mean, he's kind of the victor of point guards with that big wingspan and good size. Not a lockdown defender, but... Kind of like I've said before, he's the Trayvon Diggs of of NBA defenses, not not a lockdown defender, but man, you put the ball around him and he's probably going to make a play. You know, those passing lanes, he gets cookies here and there. It's off the court. That might be the issue. Now, look, I'm past what he said, the things he said, his, you know, air quotes, his truth. I don't have a problem with all that, you know, freedom of speech. Go you can go say whatever you want. My problem is personality and mentality. This is Victor's team. This is his franchise now. You have to come in and have to check your ego again and concede that you are number 2 at the very most you are number 2. And if you don't mesh with our number one. You're gone again. And I don't know if he's mentally tough enough to do that. I don't know if he has the maturity to do that. Because it's not about what he said. But it's just the maturity and knowledge to know. It doesn't have to be said. You're making the choice to... Respond to people on Twitter to go on shows and speak your truth. You're making those decisions and there's really nothing to be gained from it. There's there's zero to be gained from it. So I take those rumors with a huge grain of salt. Because like I've said before, Spurs, information from the Spurs doesn't get out. <laughs> it just never does. But I do believe that there is a, uh, a a grain of truth to it. Somebody somewhere in the organization has said, "Yeah, it'd be cool to have him back." Something because you can look at past things, past uh, rumors, and say, "You know what? There was some truth to uh, it." Stanley Johnson, two three years before we ever got him, we were rumored to be interested in him and looking at trading him for him. Josh Richardson. I said before, we almost traded for him, trade Patty Mills for him. And then we eventually got him. So there is a small truth to the rumor that we want would like DeJounte back. It's just a matter of how overstated that rumor is, and that probably is extremely overstated. So on court, it makes a lot of sense. It'd be great to add a guy that can get you 22. And then obviously being here, he'd be the ball dominant guy, so his assist numbers will go up, his rebounding numbers will go up. He's got a new contract, so he'd be under contract for several years. He's only 27. But I don't think it's a matter of they want to hold on to a bunch of assets because we're not giving Atlanta back what they gave us. That They can just forget about that. He's not worth what he was two years ago coming off an all-star year he's just not but i think it's being more cautious about who they're adding around him now if they pull off the move okay great and i'll welcome dj back with open arms no problem but i don't see them making the move i don't see them making any moves that Let's put it like this. They're not going to make any moves for today. If they make any moves, it's going to be about tomorrow. My only hope is they can steal a young player that a team is either giving up on or they just don't have the time to develop. You know, Boston, I read about Boston possibly trying to, you know, maybe being interested in like a Chetty Osman and putting a deal together for him. Because they, they don't have the cap space, obviously. I think they got some trade exemptions or whatever. But I was like, well, man, if we could, if we were to make that kind of deal with a team like Boston, they got a rookie, Jordan Walsh, that would fit beautifully. So, you know, just to kind of steal a player like that. Someone you can bring in, develop. They're not going to be you know, uh, hard on for, oh, if we're not winning, I'm out of here. So moves like that, they're not going to make a move for any kind of rotational player or anything. Uh, I do, I still fully expect at least a couple of moves just to get some veterans in better situations, possibly capture some more draft capital, what have you, but... I think that's as bad as far as it goes. As far as Atlanta, I give them a little credit for recognizing pretty fast that what they've done over the last couple years, it's just not working. Uh, I think they should hold on to DJ probably past this year and see what you can get for other guys like Capella, Hunter, Bogdanovich, and try to... Try to build from scratch around Trey Young and Jalen Johnson. Excuse me. I say hold on to DJ because he's probably your most valuable asset. And if you can grab a couple of first-round picks in these trades, then make some good draft choices and then move him for another star caliber player, young player, what have you. Get get proper value from him, because right now you'd be selling low. But I mean, if you just really want to wipe the slate clean, get as much draft capital as you can, go for it. But I would hold on to him maybe till the off season. Maybe next year's trade deadline. Hope his value goes up. Have some assets that you can maybe couple with him and to get somebody. Yeah, see what happens. But, yeah, I think that will wrap up this edition. Thank you for listening. Follow show on Twitter, Swag Official Pod. Instagram, sports with a Cuppa, underscores in between each word.